guys, welcome back to Revive School. Man, uh, we have studied a lot of letters, a lot of uh, epistles that Paul has written. It's kind of crazy to me because this is our, Kevin, our 40th book that we will have covered out of 66 books. This is today. Yeah, it's less than 87, but big picture, if you're a part of Revive School and you were a part of it from the very beginning, this is 573. Whew. Over the course of two years, our goal is to, to encourage people, where do you see the Messiah in every book of the Bible? Now, we just finished up Titus. We just finished up 2 Timothy. Some of them, it's a little bit more obvious. You have Savior, you know, and then you're going to, obviously, you're going to jump into Mediator, and then you have Righteous, uh, judge. Righteous Judge, yeah. And, like, you see this in the text. When you look at the book of Philemon, you're kind of like, oh, man. It's about, I mean, about three people, maybe up to, uh, maybe up to not that many people listed, even as you get to the end of Philemon. I mean, you're talking about literally 25 verses. I'm going to give you an introduction to the book, historical background, theological drop, backdrop, and then guess what? Then we're done. We're done with a book. Have we ever done one book in one, one lesson? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a stretch here. And so when you're looking in the context of 25 verses about a, a, an apostle Paul He's pleading, honestly, you guys, with a friend of his on behalf of somebody else. And so there's so many lessons here. But where do you see Christ in this? Well, we came up with this word master. And I'm going to write down the word master. And the reason I look, when you look in verse 1, Philemon 1, 1, it says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, if Paul is a prisoner of Christ Jesus, you're going to hear this language slaves. Okay, you're going to hear this language of, you know, a bond servant. So what you have is a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Well, if he's the prisoner of Christ, Kevin, what automatically does that make uh, Christ? He's the master. He's the master. He is in charge of the prisoner. He's in charge of the slave. Now, look, you have to understand something. We're going to talk about slavery today. Okay, we are not for slavery. We do not uh, endorse slavery at, at, in any shape or form. I will tell you, though, in Scripture, it talks about it. And we're going to go through this, and I'm not going to ignore the fact that, that Paul clearly says, Jesus is my master. And in fact, in Matthew 23, verse 10, it even gives a little bit more support. So we're jumping out of Philemon just for a second. But Scripture says, and Kevin, give me a little bit of a backdrop here if you can. In Matthew 23, uh, it just says in verse 8, But as for you, do not be called rabbi, because you have one teacher. And you are all brothers. Verse 9, do not call anyone on earth your father because you have one father who is in heaven. And then he says in verse 10, and do not be called masters either because you have one master, the Messiah. Jesus is clearly the master. He's clearly the Messiah. And so when we're saying master, we're not talking about like somebody that is actually a slave owner that is putting you in chains. In fact, Jesus is the complete opposite. He's the master that actually unlocks the chains and set people free. And so when Paul says, look, I am a prisoner, he is implying I'm surrendering my life to the cause of Christ. He says, I'm surrendering myself because he's in charge. I'm yours. I'm whatever it takes. And it goes back to Luke 4, does it not? But man, Philemon is a story of so much redemption, reconciliation, forgiveness, and then you can learn life lessons. And Paul starts to make this case. Now, let me give you some of the backdrop. Uh, very, very earlier on, Paul obviously writes this. Uh, and then he, what he's making a pitch is, is that Philemon, um, he had the right to, let me just say, let, let me back up. Paul and Philemon had encountered each other probably more than likely at Ephesus. 
Philemon is, okay, I'm going to use language here that makes people uncomfortable today. Please understand. I agree it makes me uncomfortable as well. But I'm going to reference how this was used back in that times. And so here you have Philemon. He was a slave owner. Philemon was a slave owner. And somewhere in the process, Paul actually experienced this man coming to know the Lord in Ephesus. Okay, that's a really good chance that we see this. Now, he had, he was wealthy enough that he had a large house. In fact, you see this in verse 2, because in verse 2, uh, of Philemon, it says to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your house. Most people would say, and I, I think it's across the board, Aphia probably could be Philemon's wife. Uh, Archippus is probably Philemon's son. We don't know that for sure, but there's a really good chance that this is a family ministry. Seriously, that's kind of a cool picture that we're talking about. They have it in, in at least, he owned at least one slave named Onesimus. Okay, we don't know if he owned others. We don't know if he had more. We know that he, he, he owned a slave named Onesimus and his name means useful. Okay, we'll get to this down the road. Why this plays in, in, uh, into a picture here. And actually, Onesimus was a common slave name back then. So here you have a family. He has a house. Onesimus at that time of being a slave. Okay, he was not a believer. And what we'll find is, is eventually he actually runs away. So the story is this. Onesimus is a runaway slave. He runs away from Philemon, possibly Aphia and Archippus. And then he's running away. And crazy enough, he probably stole something as well. So not only is he a runaway slave, he's a thief. Onesimus at that time probably doesn't know the Lord. And here's what he's doing. He's trying to literally flee from the whole situation. Now, Onesimus probably met Paul in Rome. So I want to, can you go to a map here for me for a second? Just to give you a visual here of Rome and Colossae, Colossae. Uh, so here you have Rome all the way over here, okay? Who's here, Kevin? Paul. Paul. Paul is here, okay? Now here you have Laodicea. Thanks to Tom Jankowski and his thorough work, we know that Colossae is probably right here, right? We got a little finger dot right here. So here, here's the crazy picture. Remember this. The letter, right, that's going to be delivered has to probably end up over here in Colossae. Right. Would we agree? We know this because at the end, Tychicus is delivering a letter to the Colossians. At the same time, Tychicus is delivering a letter to the Colossians. Here's the craziest story. I'll go to straight to the end. Uh, Onesimus is going to be delivering his own letter for freedom. And it's probably going to be delivered to Philemon in in Colossae as well. So you have two letters that are be delivered. The word of God, they don't know that at the time. Like, hey, man, I better not mess this one up. And I'm delivering this to Colossae. So like, look at this distance, you guys. That they're delivering this. So they're delivering these letters over here. Okay, so hopefully that gives you an idea. Well, in the time frame, now let me go back to this. Let me go back a different way to think about this. In Colossae, somewhere Onesimus ran away and he probably met Paul over here in Rome. Okay, I mean, this guy was good. If he's a thief, he ran away. He was good. I mean, but then in meeting Paul, guess what happens? He comes to know Christ. Like, I know I'm not exposing the word right now, but I just feel like in order to understand the entire story, you got to get this this crazy big picture. That's why when you go to this painting, you can honestly say it's Philemon and Onesimus's hand. You can probably say here you have two brothers that are going to hopefully, Lord willing, in the letter, come to terms. Seek reconciliation, seek forgiveness, because here's the deal. An employee bails on you and he steals. Yeah, you want something back. I mean, just my just my parents store just this last week. Somebody came in, two guys came in, wore their hats and they stole, stole something. Like it would be like those guys then stealing something and then somebody writing a letter saying, hey, in the process, since they've stolen, they've come to know Christ, would you forgive them? And oh, by the way, I think they're an asset to me. Like this is kind of similar language that we're talking. 
And so in this process, okay, Onesimus meets Paul possibly, right, into Rome. Now, as this kind of story unfolds, I, I do want to say something. I said Tychicus went with uh, Onesimus, right, to deliver the letter. Why do you think, Kevin, why would Paul send Tychicus with Onesimus back to Colossae? Got any thoughts? Maybe give some validity to the letter that he was carrying. Okay, I, I think that's one great point. You want to add anything else to this? A protection for Onesimus because... He's a runaway he's slave. A slave. That's and, right. Nope, this guy's headed back home. So I'm going to give you validity. This guy's life has changed. And oh, by the way, you, you can't steal him. <laughs> now, let me give you a little bit of a... Remember my historical backdrop? If a slave ran away, Warren Wiersbe writes this, the master then would register the name of a slave and description with officials. So Onesimus' name would have been released, okay? And this slave actually becomes on a wanted list. So Onesimus' name, probably with along of other Onesimus' names, probably last name Miller, uh, everybody has this name, right? It, everybody's there's name. Now, here's the crazy thing. If that slave was found, this is the craziest part. And I, I was like, are you kidding me? If a citizen, a free citizen, found a runaway slave, you actually did not have to send that slave back to that owner. You could actually keep that person yourself. You could keep that runaway slave for yourself. Now, you could intercede and go back to the owner. That was an option, okay? But it wasn't necessary that you return the person. So Onesimus might not have ever even made it back to uh, Philemon. So there's all kinds of layers here, you know, like... It was just a lot. And when Onesimus took off, like, he, he wanted to break free from all of this. What he didn't expect and how God used this whole scenario, he found true freedom in the Lord. Like the background of Onesimus is bad. And yet God took any person's background and he redeems it. Like, that's the power of the cross. He redeems literally anybody's past. He can literally wipe it clean. It's a beautiful picture. You want to know why I love why Paul sent Tychicus? Because you guys remember Paul's background? <laughs> Do you remember he, have to had, he had to have people vouch for him that his life's been changed? He realizes how people perceive people from the past and like, if you knew me and I had done something wrong in the past, sometimes, you know what we do in the church? We just stay in that category and say, that person can never change because all of a sudden, oh, I know them as an alcoholic. I know them as, a, as an addict. I know them. And you list all these things. No, 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 man. Sometimes you need somebody to come along and say, this guy's life has been changed. And Paul says the whole stage. He says, I'm going to send my friend Tychicus. You deliver the letter to the Colossians. I'm going to, you deliver the letter to Philemon. And I'm just going to trust that the Lord's going to set you free. This is kind of your backdrop. And so uh, I like what Wiersbe says. Paul shows himself as a beloved friend to Philemon first. Okay. Uh, and so if you want to look in verse one, it says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother to Philemon, our dear friend and coworker. Uh, he says to Aphia, our sister to Archippus. So he sets the stage right to the family and to the church that meets in your house. Grace to you. Here's our common greeting, right? Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the best part about how Paul works. You can say Paul's a politician. Paul just knows how to speak to people, you guys. He knows how to connect at the heart. And he says, I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers. I remember at Dallas Seminary, we had to take this text and then we actually had to reach out to people 
thanking the Lord. Well, not only did we have to pray, but then we had to let people know why we were thanking God for them in our prayers. And like, to me, that was such a warm feeling. So you're saying, hey, by the way, Tom uh, Schieffer, this is why I always pray for you in my prayers. And then I actually tell you why I pray for you. Like, that's the context that we're talking about. And here's what, here's what Paul says about Philemon. He says, because I hear of your love and your faith toward the Lord Jesus and, I love this, and for all the saints. It, it's totally a setup, man. Like, it's totally a setup. He's genuine. I actually think he loves the Lord. I think he has a faith for the Lord. I think that he really, truly cares uh, for this whole process for the saints. And so here's what he says. I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. In other words, Philemon's faith, I understand it's like it's in good working order. I actually believe that your faith is a sharing faith. I believe that this participation in your faith, I, I, I pray that doesn't stop. So it's not just a one and done deal. I'm praying that your faith is still effective. So here's what he does. He begins to, and it's pretty simple. Wearsby says there's five appeals. You can integrate more appeals than this. But I feel like in a small letter like this, it's really helpful just to kind of have a a general outline. And here's his first outline. Here's his first appeal in Paul's letter. He says, for I have great joy and encouragement from your love. In other words, I just find the spirit of God refreshes me because of you, Philemon, because of the hearts of the saints that have been refreshed through you, brother. For this reason, he says, although I have great boldness in Christ to command you to do what is right. So what is he doing? Okay. In verses seven and eight, he is, can I just say, he's building up Philemon. And he says, Philemon, uh, you are, here's what I wrote on my notes. This is not a Warren Wearsby. You work for a revived Colossae. Like, dude, all you do is revive people. The Spirit of God moves through you. You refresh people. Like, you do what we're asking people to do. And so my first appeal is to let you know I'm really excited that you revive people. I'm really excited that you refresh people. And oh, by the way, um, like, I'm not done. <laughs> but he's building them up and he says, in my prayers, this is why I thank you. So revive Colossae is happening <laughs> because, of, because of Philemon. And so he says, because of who you are, I have boldness in Christ to command you to do what is right. Now, okay, he has the authority, does he not? Paul has the authority as the apostle to pull the card. Look, I can command you to do what is right. I, I can come to the table, but here's what he says. His second appeal, though, is, but I, I'm not going to do that. He says, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love. I'm not going to come to you as the apostle. Now he says, I, Paul, and he drops the sympathy card as an elderly man. Now also as a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. I fathered him while I was in chains. So his appeal, you guys, is done in love. And then you know what he does? He kind of does this. He he, he talks about him being a suffering saint. (laughs) He says, look, I could I could come to you, Philemon. And I could say to you, all right, look, as the apostle, clearly I've established the churches. Clearly I've established stuff in Colossae, in, in, uh, Ephesus, even though he wasn't the founding in Ephesus. Like, I have the authority. He says, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to come to you in love. It's kind of what we're talking about, you guys, uh, even in our Bible study. Like, you can't command somebody to say, you got to go share the gospel. It feels wrong, even though you have the authority, maybe as an apostle, to say that. But man, because of, because of how God loves us and his love for us, we should be compelled to go love somebody else. It's desire not 
for. Yeah, it, yes. You want them to want to do this, not they have to do this. And so that's his appeal. He's like, look, Philemon, you get this. You understand who you are. And now, look, I, I love I love Christ. I love you. And so I want you to understand I'm making an appeal for my son. Now, this son is implying like he came to know the Lord. Kevin, can you go to 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15, if you don't mind, please? 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15. Uh, <laughs> he says, for you can have a 10,000 instructors in Christ. But you can't have many fathers for I became your father in Christ through the gospel. Like when he's talking about like the son image, he's saying, man, I, I'm the father of Onesimus in, in the Lord. Like because of the gospel. So I'm making an appeal. I fathered him while in chains. Now, so this is what he's saying, you guys. This is his third appeal. This is why we go to verse 10. His third appeal is this. Wait, wait, what are you, what are you talking about? Onesimus like knows the Lord. Right. You got to understand if I'm Philemon, this is the first time I'm hearing this possibly. So his appeal is, is, is the conversion of Onesimus. OK, by the way, Philemon, look, man, you're a great guy. You're obviously God's using you to change lives because of your love for the Lord. And I'm coming before you because of the love, not because I'm commanding you. Have you heard about the runaway slave that he now knows Jesus? If you really are the revived Colossae guy. And you really hear that this guy has trusted Christ. Like, I need you to hear in verse 11, uh, he then makes another. I mean, this is a purely diplomatic move, is it not? A spiritual diplomatic move. It's, change, it's changing the whole culture of the country that he lives in. Absolutely. And if you look at his fourth appeal, okay. Okay, if you look at his fourth appeal, Onesimus says in verse 11, was useless to you. But now he's useful to you and to me. What does Onesimus' name mean? Useful. How crazy is that? Oh, by the way, I understand he was a slave to you. He didn't bring a whole lot of value. But now that he knows Christ, he's useful both to me and, and to you. And I love the distance. We're talking about Rome and Colossae. Like, this is a, a far distance. The letter that these guys have to deliver. He's delivering this letter. It's kind of like Esther, in my opinion, coming before the king. Like, she knows that like, if it's not received, she's done. Right. That's the reality. She knows if, if he delivers this letter and Philemon doesn't care about Paul, doesn't care about the Lord and really just wants to slave back. He could be done. Like that's what we're facing here. He says, but by the way, he's extremely Onesimus now is extremely valuable. And he says to both of us. So here you have a letter to Philemon. And he said, I love this language. He said, I'm sending back to you as a part of myself. My heart has been truly poured into Onesimus. And now I'm sending a part of me to you through this guy. Like by my spiritual investment, you're now receiving part of me. So he sets the table because of this conversion. And he says in verse 13, look, I wanted to keep him with me. I wanted to keep Onesimus with me. I'm in jail. I, I really like the company. So that in my imprisonment for the gospel, he might serve me in your place. Look, Philemon, you're not here. Let him serve me in your place. Like what an incredible speech. 25 verses, you guys. Half of the politicians today, you know, take 48 minutes just to get one point across. Paul's like, man, I got four appeals. This is going to work. And it's short. He, his ink was either running out or he didn't have much paper, but it was a short letter. And then he says this in verse 14, but I, I didn't want to do anything without your consent. 
There's a culture of honor here, you guys. He says, so that your good deed might not be out of obligation, but out of your own free will. (laughs) Uh, Serving Christ should never be forced. Loving others should never be forced. And he wanted Philemon to have that choice. Would you please seek the Lord and ask him, should I set Onesimus free? It's really what he's saying. And then he wraps this whole thing up, you guys. It's pretty awesome in his fifth appeal. And he says in his fifth appeal, it's really kind of a cool picture. And he talks about the providence of God. Again, Warren Wiersbe spells these out pretty clean. He says, for perhaps this is why he was separated for you from you for a brief time. So that you might get him back per- permanently. Now, look, we're talking about the permanently deal, you guys. We're talking about eternal here. What an awesome picture. Like, yeah, he stole from you. Yeah, he ran away from you. But maybe, and you've heard this, you guys, God can redeem any story. He can redeem any situation that you think as you're running away from life, you're running away, you have no money, nothing, no family, nothing. You've done some really bad things. Maybe in that season, God's like using that time to draw you to to him. Onesimus was being drawn to Christ because he's running from everything. And now this time he says, maybe he was separated from you, Philemon, just so he could come to know the Lord. Verse 16, he explains it. He's no longer as a slave, but more, more than a slave, as a dearly loved brother. He's especially so to me, but even more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So he says in verse 17, so if you consider me a partner, co-labors in sharing the gospel, accept him as you would me. View him as if you would view me. And now Paul makes a promise in this process. Paul says, hey, look, here's the deal. And if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Now, this is a little bit of a fancy theological word. It's called imputation. It means to put into account. Why I love that this, this, this language is what Paul does is exactly what Christ does for us. Christ clearly, you guys, says, hey, look, we put our sins onto his account. You realize that, right? That's exactly what Paul says. You take all of his wrongdoings and you put it onto my account and I'll take care of this. That's why in verse 19, he did something different than he normally doesn't do. He says, I write this with my own hand. This letter becomes a legal document, you guys. And he says, I will repay it, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self. So he's pulling his cards on everything, but he's legit. He's saying, look, here's the letter. I will repay it. Look, so what if he stole a couple uh, lambs? I don't know, Kevin, what would you steal back then? Gold, silver? Yeah, okay. Paul says, fine, I'll repay it. By the way, I'm in prison. (laughs) But I put this with my own hand. And here's what I love. He says, not to mention, though, that you owe me even your own self, which would imply Paul probably led him to the Lord. And Philemon owes Paul spiritual debt. I mean, he's pulling out all of his cards, you guys. There's a time to do that. He says, yes, brother, may I have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Do what I'm asking. Here's my appeals, Philemon. It's based on how you're working, but because of love, you see Onesimus has changed. He's valuable now to both of us, to the kingdom of God. And oh, by the way, this is all God doing it. It has nothing to do with me and nothing to do with you. This is the providence of God. (laughs) He says, since I'm confident of your obedience, I'm writing to you to know that 
knowing that you will do even more than I say. So not only will you receive him and probably set him free, would you also take care of him? Would you bless him? Maybe he needs some clothes. Maybe he needs some other things. Would you just do more than what I could even ask? But meanwhile, I love how Paul, just in case Philemon's like, I don't know about this. Paul says, hey, prepare a guest room for me. In other words, if I do come back, I hope you do what I ask. So prepare a guest room for me, for I hope that through your prayers, I will be restored to you. I think he genuinely wanted to meet with him, but I also think Paul's smart. And I think the Lord's given him direction, given him words. And, and here's, here's the crazy thing about all of this. He says in 23, 24, and 25, he lists some guys, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, they greet you. And then he lists Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, and my co-workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Uh, I, I'd really like to, and wouldn't mind unpacking these guys, but um, what I want to do is this. There, there's some simple lessons, you guys, and, it, and it's so simple. Nelson's commentary comes up. When you look at this thing, please understand this. When you are in Christ, when you are understanding that he is your master, there's always room for reconciliation. There's always room for a second chance for anybody. Please hear me say this. When you see Philemon and you see Onesimus' hands, it's they're coming to terms saying, you know what, we messed up. There's something in the past or, hey, I don't really like this. But God is always in the business of reconciliation. And here's what I love about this picture. God is always behind the scenes working, you guys. And he's bringing for people to restore relationships. He's bringing people forth to say, hey, look, now I can see this in the spirit of unity. What you see is, is these crazy big lessons. And, and Nelson's calls it just a little tiny letter. And it shows that the power of gospel can work even at a distance when you're not even near. Which says to me, God can use anybody at any time to change a person's life. Maybe you're that person in Colossae that's speaking the gospel. Maybe you're that person that's praying in Rome for somebody. But the point is, it takes a collective effort to see people's lives changed. That's the beauty of this whole book is that when you understand we're not in charge, but the master is, <laughs> it all works. When you submit yourself and your life, your will to him, you're not concerned about runaway slaves owing your money. You see a way bigger picture. Now I'll tell you this, is just as we close in Philemon, what do you see is you see the value of mentoring relationships. You see the value of discipleship in this, do you not? Paul could speak into Philemon because he, he spoke into him. Paul spoke into Onesimus. Like there's value in this. It also shows that there's a measure of irony behind God's patience and providence. There's an irony behind God. God is, who knows how long that letter took to, to come across from Rome to Colossae. Who knows how long it took from uh, Onesimus to get to Rome. I think it's crazy because Paul, can you imagine handing the letter to Onesimus saying, I hope this works. Tychicus, do your best. No, man, he, he trusts God in all of this. He, he believes that God had his back in this whole situation. And therefore, I don't believe that Paul was worried. I don't think he was anxious. He literally trusted this situation over to the Lord. You want to know how and why this works? Because Paul views Jesus as his master. And if Philemon uses Jesus as his master, this letter will be received. And that's the point. The whole point is, is 
are you and will you, whatever the context is, submit your life to the master? He's in charge. And he wants to help you go through life uh, with your thoughts, your actions, your words, you name it. <laughs> but you got to surrender it over to him. Thanks for listening to the book of Philemon. Crazy to think. We just finished the 40th book. But we got a lot, of mo- a lot more tomorrow, Kevin, because we're digging in back into the Old Testament with the book of Isaiah. Let the beard start growing. We'll talk to you tomorrow, guys. Thanks. Thanks.